You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! So, hey, so I am now here with Michael uh, Barbarian, the head of Season of Mist. How are you, Michael? I'm good. How are you? Um, you know, it's, it's month 11 of COVID, so as good as you can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what I wanted to get into with you today was publishing. Oh, God. Yeah. But I've been told by our mutual friend Gunnar Saruman that you are one of the best at this. I wouldn't say that. I... Uh... Uh, yeah, but I have a publishing company. Yes, I, I have uh, Season of His Publishing. It's some. It's probably the last thing I understood in the music business because mm -hmm. it's the most complex and uh, uh, and challenging piece of a puzzle to 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 grab to get a grasp on. Yeah. How did you? Yeah. So I guess the first question before we really unpack how publishing works. How did you get into publishing and how did you start your publishing company? Took me a while. So that means the label was already active for more than 10 years, probably 13 years or something like that, because I decided that I had the, the, the time and energy and resources to start doing publishing. And because I knew what, I, I, of course, I knew for a long time what publishing was, but to get this in order, it's a completely different set of skills than the one of running a label or having a booking agent. And I always wanted Season of Mist to have one hand in each basket. I wanted Season of Mist to be a label, but also to be involved in concert and booking, which we are now, and also in publishing. So that's why I did Season of Mist. But I, I knew it was the most complex part, so I did it last. Sure. That makes sense. And so how long have you had that company now? Seven years, maybe six, seven years. Not that long. Okay. And it took a while to set up from what I recall. Um, it took for a while to find the right person because you cannot, like I, I basically did this company with uh, Nicolas who was running uh, Edition Roland, which was a French publisher, a publisher for Gojira, for example, and other bands mm -hmm. like that. Uh, also non-metal bands. Like uh, he was like an experienced publisher. So basically, all I had to do is to rely on his expertise to, as a publisher and me, just bringing catalog. Sure. Because learn like the, I, I know I know the concepts and how publishing works, but doing the administrative job is a full time job. Yeah. A lot of I, I will dig into the details between different publishers later, but a lot of publishing companies are just shells. They're just bringing catalog and they're doing administration via someone while well, we yeah. do administration, which is a completely different ball game. Absolutely. And yeah, and that's, I think, one of the most impressive parts of how you set it up. So, okay, so now that we kind of have some background on where you sit in publishing, 
in your own words, how does publishing work uh, in particular for like underground bands? All right. So before um, talking about how it works for underground bands, I'm going to quickly take a few minutes to explain what publishing is, sure. how it was created, and then address the difference between how it works for a big band, a small band, and also what's the difference between a UK or a, an American publisher and a French and a German publisher, because they are not based under the same law and they don't work the same. So, all right. So publishing first, like pretty much everything that is bureaucratic and complex was created by France. It's based on code Napoleon, Napoleon everybody knows Napoleon, who invented something that is the intellectual property in laws that are now 200 years old. Of course, it evolved a lot. But basically what publishing does is managing your rights as a composer. It's your offer rights. When you write a record um, in your basement and you have your, your pub, you want to you, you release a CD, you have two sets of royalties. You have royalties, which are your recording royalties, which are basically your share of a sale of a CD or your share, your share of streaming. And that's the master rights. And then you have a publishing, which is the rights for the composition. So for example, you can write a song and not play the song, but you only get publishing. If you write the song and play the song, you get both the recording royalties and the publishing royalties. So that's very simply put what publishing is. It's the management of all the rights that you have as an author. Uh, when you are played on the radio, when you're played on the TV, when you're synced in a video game or in a movie, all those rights, all this money that you get as an offer of a music or the lyrics is what we call publishing. All right, so that being said, um, big bands versus small bands for an underground band, is it worth having publishing? It's a big debate. It's a big debate. For a big band, yes, definitely. Uh, for an underground band, I would say it depends where you're from. It's, for example, if you are a, a, a French band, a German band, or a Norwegian band, there's a world of subsidies that awaits you if you are published by the right person that can really help you get money for a video clip or a tour, blah, blah, blah. There, there's really a lot. If you're an American or English band, it's a different system. Maybe I shouldn't jump into that right now. But uh, yeah, for an underground band, I would say in general, if you want your band to grow one day, you're going to have to publish your, your composition. You're going to have to publish your songs. So the so as soon as you have an opportunity, yes, get a publisher. That's how I feel about it. Um, I only know a handful of bands which are capable of publishing themselves because they have the talent and the time and the, the mind frame to dig into all this administrative work. Generally, I would say you are better off giving a portion of your money to a publisher and have somebody with the expertise to do it for you. Absolutely. So, um, the difference, okay, I'm going to go in a little bit more into the complexity of things here. 
the in the Anglo-Saxon, American or UK publishing, it's just the German and French. It's very different. First, because we're based on two different set of laws. Um, as you know, in the US, you have a copyright laws, right? And the copyright laws are created in favor of Hollywood. So they are very protective of the producer. The offer rights laws, which are different from copyrights that we have in Europe, are generally more favorable and protective of the musician. And for example, I'll give you an example. Lemmy from Molohead played so many gigs in France. He didn't know about this, but every time he played a gig in France, a part of his, prof um, of his uh, performance rights, which are collected by his publisher, are collected and he didn't know about that until later in his life, but it opened him rights for a pension in France. Yeah. And something that would never happen with the copyright laws and the US publishing laws. So they are different, even if the concept is generally the same, they are different rights that are being opened in with um uh, a main, mainland Europe historical publishing than with, a, with an American publisher. But also, I'm going to say this, the American publisher generally takes a lesser percentage than the European publisher, but they don't supply the same level of rights and you don't have access to the same level of subsidies or help that a European one would. Well, aren't there generally laws that prevent publishers? And I know, I, I really only know about the US and Germany because of prophecy. Um, yeah. aren't, there, aren't there generally laws that protect the artist like from giving away too much other publishing? Like at worst, you can do like a 50-50 split in America and I think 60-40 in Germany. 60-40, I believe is the maximum you can get in Germany. That's the standard, yes. But again, 60-40 uh, in different countries does not mean the same. Yeah. Let, let, let me give you an example. If you get a 60-40 with an American publisher, it's a very bad deal because usually the organization that collects the publishing, such as Harry Fox, is going to take their fee and then after this fee, the amount you get is split 60-40. While in some countries, before Harry Fox, in case in France it's called SESAM, SESAM is going to take their fee mainly on the publisher share and not on the artist share. Yeah. So 640 in one country does not mean the same as 640 in another. Because the, the admin fee is only taken from the 40% of the publisher. Sure. So it's like I, if bands compare their deal without knowing that, ah, yeah, I got 70 30 in the US, but a 70 30 in the US will be effectively less money for you than a 60 40 in France. Where do you, so then where does something like sound exchange fall into all of this? Oof, that's, uh, so it's a part of a publishing, but it's called the neighboring rights. When you sign a master deal, that means when the label owns the master, um, you don't get sound exchange. It belongs to the, to, to, to the company. When you sign a license deal with a company, unless they ask you to retrocede 
to give away the neighboring rights, normally you are going to subscribe to Sound Exchange and you're going to collect it yourself. I had the example of a band that was asking us recently to collect Sound Exchange on their behalf, but I'm not going to do that because it's way too much complication and admin. If you want to collect it yourself, you have to, to deal with it. Yeah. It's not for the label to do it. If you want me to do it, yeah, then we're going to take a share of it because it's a lot of admin work and that doesn't come free. I'm not going to account. I'm not going to do your admin and your accounting for zero. If you keep the rights because you want a license, which I completely understand, and it's becoming the standard now, that means you keep the right, you do the job as well. Yeah. And so then this ties into the other thing that I, I feel a lot of frustration with when I'm getting bands. Um, you know, I, I like with some labels I work with, you know, we do simultaneously a publishing deal and a record deal you know, yes. which I assume you do at, at least sometimes a season of mist. Um, yeah. And so one thing that really frustrates me is I think there's sort of this thing in the music industry of, oh, don't sign away your publishing. And I get aggravated because, well, don't sign away your publishing if you were ever going to do something with it. But I think a lot of times people sort of think they're going to handle their publishing at some point in the future that will never actually come. And so my question is like, what, like, sh how willing should bands be to sign away their publishing to a label or to a publishing company or whatever? Because I think people kind of protect it without understanding what it is. All right. Most of the person who are saying, like, I have a few managers, a very famous one, uh, who are having their own publishing company. And once, uh, when they manage a band, they want to keep publishing for themselves and they sign only the, the, to the label for the recording part and not for the publishing I think that's unfair because, in a way, um, publishing is the safest part of this business. Yeah, it doesn't it, it's not a lot of margin. It's not it's a lot of work, but it's almost no risk in publishing. You get a cut of what's being paid, uh, unless you pay crazy advances. You know you're going to get your money back, and there's no not really a lot of uh, of risk involved. So of course, a lot of people want to. They think that the label. Uh, I mean. For a big band, I'm never, I can negotiate that, but I will never sign a small band if I don't have a publishing, because if you want me to risk time and money and make my money back after three albums, then at least I should have a publishing because the publishing, again, is risk-free. Um, still some bands, like I have recently a lot of, I had some bands in the past. I'm going to give a name, for example, the, the band was called Ghost Brigade. And I paid all my mechanicals to say some, and they never wanted to pay a publishing right. And I think I've paid for that band maybe 25,000 euro, which is like $30,000 of mechanicals, which they never pretty much collected ever. And when they realized that they should have got a publisher because they never got paid, then it was past the deadline that I could make a claim for it. So all that money was just lost. So to most bands out there were like, keep away your publishing, keep your publishing, keep your publishing. Yeah, you can keep it. Just ask for an expiration. They, they just do a 10 years deal or a five years deal or whatever you can negotiate. But it's still better to have 60% of something than 100% of nothing. Yeah, I feel, um, 
I feel very similarly. But if you have a choice, don't sign it away for life, of course. I mean, most of the time when you're going to sign something away for life, there has to be some kind of commitment from the publisher or from the label for it. That means they're going to really invest a lot of time and money to build up your band. And I mean, of course, you need to have a choice. But if you have a choice between the license, it depends on how involved you want the label to be. Some of my bigger bands are like, we own the master. And some of the smaller bands, we, we, we are only licensors. I'm sure it's the same for you. It doesn't really change, I would say, the degree of involvement. But for example, if you are a band, I'm going to take the example of Septic Flesh back in the days, which was probably the band where we paid the most tour support for any bands that we ever signed. Like, I think we paid like tour support for Amonomar, Children of Bottom, and like Behemoth, and I don't know how many US tour. We probably spent 100K on tour support just for that band. Wow. If you're going to ask me to make that kind, that kind of investment in your band to build it up, then of course, yes, I need publishing and I need it for a fucking long time. Yeah. If you ask me to think short term, then also my investments should be made back short term. If I have life, then I can think very long term. And that's what we did for Septic Flesh. Yeah, and that's, I think, another crucial piece of the puzzle. Um, now, the other side of publishing that we haven't really touched on yet that I think is sort of like the mythical beast that doesn't really exist in rock. I mean, it exists, but isn't super common in rock and metal. It's sort think? of think like think exactly. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about your experiences there. And if my view of it as sort of a semi mythical beast is correct. You're right and you're wrong. Uh, we recently had so much sync with Heilung. Sure. So much. But it's not really metal. But yeah. I had, I had, like, we haven't announced a, a third of what, what I'm allowed to say with what the sync we're, which are happening for Heilung. And it involves big company, like Disney level company. Yeah. Massive Absolutely. stuff. So there, sometimes when you have the right stuff, I mean, the, the, the sink money for Heilong is really good money. Really good yeah, money. I'm sure. So the, 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 that's the example that contradicts the rule. Um, but I think it's important to just note that Heilong is also doing a very specific thing yeah. that is also like very in right now, like in terms of Norwegian pagan... Yeah, but for yeah. example, we had a, a Chinese MMORPG who reached out to us recently. I mean, and one of the tribes, the Viking tribe, and of course they wanted Heilung music. It's a game I never heard of, but it's Chinese. And RP, a Chinese RPG has millions of online players. Yeah. I don't know how they ever heard of Heilung, but yeah, they knocked on the door. That kind of shit, you know, it's just... Yeah, totally. It's the golden goose. It's the way it is. So Heilong being separate, we had a few sync in the past. I had a few video games. I had, for example, recently there was one of this crime scene investigation. Don't ask me if it was Miami or New York or whatever. I don't watch this. Who, who reached out to us because they wanted a punk song. So they reached out to us via our US sub-publisher. And they asked us, do you have punk? I said, yeah, we have the casualties. So we had the casualties in this. 
Um, um, we had did enjoy escape plan in a few movies in a few video games, but yes, again, it happens. It doesn't pay a lot, even when we had a few video games. I, I mean, we had Running Christ recently in a Mortal Shell, really cool game, actually, very hard, broadborn uh, kind of a PS4 movie, uh, video game, sorry. And yeah, it paid a little bit, but it's not, yeah, it's nothing comparable to the ad money or sick money we got for Hilo. It's not on the same level, but yeah, it happens. But the sync, I don't believe that you can fetch sync. Sync comes to you. For metal, I would agree, yeah. They, they will say, hey, I'm a fan of that band. I want that song, and I want how many... Like, I mean, they will find a way to reach out to you. I mean, we've tried in the past to hire companies that are going to actively search for sync, and what they would bring would not cover what they would cost. Yeah, I, I mean, had... There's only, there's only so much movies that can feature black or death metal in it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I had this conversation with um, a friend of mine who went from managing metal to managing hip hop. Yeah. Um, and who I had started like five years ago, I was trying to do sync with him. And we had like a pretty cool metal catalog going, but but also because everyone was like, oh yeah, sure. Cause like they kind of knew nothing was going to happen. And then like he switches to managing hip hop two years ago and suddenly like the NFL is calling him. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. It's and not going to happen. Electronic yeah. music lives on sync. Yeah. I've literally seen bands doing six-figure six uh, six sync contracts that had less than 2,000 views on YouTube. Yeah. It's a... Uh... Different story. We're, still, we're not a very sync-friendly friendly jar. Um, because it's also the same thing for jazz or maybe the most complex classical music because I think we're uneasy listening where music that requires a lot of attention yeah. to the listener. So it's also not something you can put in the background of any movie. It's, it's not a different yeah. it's just what it is. So whenever we get an opportunity in a video game, something we usually take it no matter what it is. I know, absolutely. That's why, like, and I Valdruna is a different ball game because it's not metal. It's historical music. So, and so that's something I think is interesting. It's like, so when it comes to stuff like Hylon, where there actually is a reasonable sync market, am I correct in believing that, like, the, the majority of the opportunities, even if it's not necessarily the most profitable opportunities, but the majority of the opportunities are now in video, video games. Um, the one that paid the most, but we also had movies. Okay. Okay. No, I was just curious how that broke down between the different things you have going on. No, uh, the, 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 the video games are the one who paid the most, but also the one where more demanding because well, it's been it's it's been released, so we can talk about the Hellblade two, but it's going to be one of a new um, flagship uh, video game of a new Xbox Series X, and yeah, we're for that one they we were featured on the trailer, but you, we've been working with them as well on, on a lot of content, a lot of music that's going to be in the game. So it was really a lot of work. 
uh, well, for movies, it was just like, hey, we would like to use this track. We didn't have to to edit or create new content. They were using songs sure. that were already there. Sure. It's, no. You can't really sync when you have to create content. It's a work for hire, technically. Absolutely. Yeah. Separate, separate piece. Okay. So those were the two pieces I really wanted to get into. But then what I also wanted to talk about, um, if you have time, sure, was collecting um, performance royalties in terms of live performance. It's very easy in Europe. It's very hard in the US or almost non-existent. Yeah. Very some countries when it's harder than others, for example. So it, it's a bit tricky and it's a bit shitty. If you're assigned to um, an English or a French publisher, for example, and you play festivals in Germany, you're not gonna be paid for your performance rights in Germany until you reach a certain threshold per year. I, I don't know what the current limit is. I think it's a thousand euros, something like that. But for example, if you've collected 900 euros, you're not gonna get paid unless you're with a German publisher. But then it's the same thing for other countries. If you're with a German publisher, you are gonna not collect performance rights or it's gonna be harder for you in some other countries. So it's really like, Basically, the advice I can give you is sign a deal, a publishing deal, in if you uh, first option from your country, second from your label's country, third uh, from your biggest market. If your main market is Germany, sign to a German publisher. Yeah. Because, yeah, but performance, right? Normally, any decent publisher that does this work will be able to more or less collect performance right in Europe very easily and the rest of the world you can just forget about it. What makes it so hard in America? The interconnection now between US collecting agencies and uh, European is almost non-existent. Not only for performance right, for example, for mechanicals as well, it's very hard to collect um, um, mechanicals, unless you go directly to the label and get paid directly as a publisher. Like if you try to go via Harry Fox, for example, you're not going to get it as a European publisher. So it's the, 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 the bridge between the two continents has been severed four or five years ago. And the, the, it's really hard to, for money to, to, to cross the ocean anymore. So that's why usually every publisher has a sub publisher in the US that's going to deal with it within the US market. Um, and yeah, performance right in the US, it's it's like, again, a, a better example is um, digital publishing. Um, in France, Spotify, iTunes, everybody pays Saysem directly. In Germany, yeah. they pay Gemma directly. So does YouTube. So it's very easy to collect as a publishing. For the US, it is not happening. So that means you have to go to the label and ask for a share of it. And it's an insanely difficult and complex calculation because with Spotify sell statement, I mean, ours is 750,000 lines, Excel sheet. Opening it takes minutes, like literally five or six minutes to open the file and process it. So yeah. Um, in Europe, it's very easy. It's been done in the US. Collecting publishing on digital is 
not impossible, but excuse my French, very difficult. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a reasonable analysis of the situation. It's a mess. I mean, it's moving on to digital, and yeah, it's um, it's going to take a few years, four or five years, and it's going to be okay. And there's going to be some programs that is going to do it. Um, but last time I talked to Sony Orchard about trying to, they have now a program that they installed, which is called Royalty Share, but it's capable of doing it. But yeah, it, it, it is complex. It is very complex for an offer to get paid publishing on digital. It's, it, it's kind of hard. But yeah, it's going to happen because there's money involved. I'm sure the majors sure. got it sorted out, but uh, independents were not that we're lazy, but it, it's. Uh, they have tools that we don't have. They have deals that we don't have. Sure. It's another quarter million dollars that you don't know if you can spend right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is the ongoing nightmare. Um, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts on publishing that you would like people to take away to understand sort of as we wrap this up? Uh, well, I've heard something recently that was really amazing pension funds in the US have been buying publishing catalogs. Have you heard of that? I have. Um, and I think they are like for the past 15 years, the market has valued tech to an extreme amount. Look at what the tech company, how much value they have. But if you look at Netflix being an, an exception because Netflix creates his own content. But if you look at Spotify and those tech companies without content, they're just a shell, right? Yeah. And now pension funds have noticed that content is probably going to be the next gold mine. And they've been buying recently, there was a deal done for the Neil Young catalog. And I think they've paid a ratio I heard of 17 times the publisher net share. So that means they yeah. will pay 17 years of profit in advance to buy the rights, which is extremely expensive. So publishing is being valued now by pension funds. So that means people who knows what's going to happen as something that's going to make money in the future. So that means I do believe that all those rights are going to be sorted out one way or another and that content and rights are going to be valued much more than they are right now, because now we know the tech. If Spotify goes down, somebody's capable of doing the same tech very fast. What you sure. cannot replace is the content that Spotify has. If Universal goes out of Spotify one day and goes and sign an exclusive deal to, I don't know, Disney streaming service or Apple streaming service, then Spotify is de facto dead. So the value is not in the tech, the value is in the content. And with this paradigm, paradigm shift that is happening right now, publishing companies are in a really good position and also artists, because I believe we are going to see an increase into um, the artist royalties and the artist share of that pie because the publisher is going to get more money. So 
therefore the artist who gets 60% or 70% of the publishing is going to make more money as well. I'm convinced about that. The digital numbers are growing steadily, like 20% a year or something like that. And it's what was considered as diamond sense 10 years ago is starting now to be significant numbers. And as I said, it's not going to be forever that the tech company are going to make all the profit while all the content is making nothing. There's going to be a, a balance in the force, if you know what I mean. So I, sure. I think we're going to see an increase. Well said. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Matt. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.